This is the Fatherhood Unlocked podcast, and my name is Dan Doty. I'm a father of three, an outdoorsman, and a meditator, and supporting dads to be the best version of themselves is my highest calling. Fatherhood is the biggest rite of passage in a man's life. It's our biggest opportunity to grow up, to wake up, and to learn who we actually are. I believe that a father's love is the biggest missing vitamin on the planet. This podcast is intended to be a lightning rod to call men to action, to create community, and to set a new tone and standard for what fatherhood means. Welcome to Fatherhood Unlocked. Alex Schwartz is the founder of The Disrupted Workforce and a podcast called The Disrupted Workforce. I met Alex a few years ago. He was one of the men in the founding cohort of Fatherhood Unlocked. I think I've shared it on the show before, but this podcast was a child, a progeny of a few programs that I've run. I started out by bringing eight to 10 dads together for a long running, deep cohort of men's work and healing and growth and inquiry together. And Alex was one of the men who showed up first. Along our time knowing each other, we've got to spend some time in person, have our kids hang out, and he's become a really good friend and a colleague that I admire and respect a lot. The Disrupted Workforce podcast explores the moment in time and history that we are entering and have entered and are about to be fully in, where AI and technology changes the nature of human work. And as this has been going on and as I've been having conversations with Alex, it's very, very clear to me that there is a huge, huge change for fathers on the horizon. We may have already entered it or we're about to enter it. It's not a, it's not a surprise or anything new to state that one of the roles that dads have or tend to have, or many times, if not almost all of the time have is to work, is to provide, is to create resources, is to take and trade time and energy and smarts and all of the things in order to provide for our families. Now, just laying out a possible future here where AI and other technologically enabled means takes over a meaningful amount of jobs, responsibilities. What then the fuck happens to dads. (laughs) And this conversation with Alex goes into that uh, in a deep way. And I don't know that we have exact answers or we have anything to script out here, but I would just venture a guess or sort of posit something here that what happens to dads then is not pretty. I do not believe that we collectively are ready for the shift in identity and consciousness and, and what it would mean to be living with a family and having the role of father, but all of a sudden be out of work, right? We can look at the macro scale by looking at the micro. And in all my work with fathers and dads and men is that when that is the case, when you are a dad and you are out of work, and especially if you're forced out of work in some way, it's a fucking crisis. So it's very possible that we may be with eyes open, if we choose to open them, walking into a substantial crisis societally. Let's just add that to the pile of crises burning on the fire right now. There's, there's a handful happening. Now, with every crisis and every challenge, there is an opportunity, there is hope, there is something bright, there is possibility in the future too. And this conversation with Alex, I believe, demonstrates or models the direction which way, the direction with which you know, goodness could come out of all of this. And it really is very much what this show is about is Can we, as dads, as men, remain strong and collected and organized and (laughs) action-oriented to work while we humanize ourselves, while we learn to communicate, while we learn to slow down, while we connect to nature, while we do things that matter, while we literally shift our identity out of just the guy who makes money? Because let's be honest, collectively, that's about where it stands. So I really intend for this conversation to be the first of many on this podcast. This is one of the topics that I'm really most lit up about right now, and I don't see it going away. This future we're stepping into 
seems fucking wild to me. And I think we really need leadership. And this, this conversation is an attempt to see what that leadership may look like. So big hugs to Alex, his boy Jagger, and big ups to all of you. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. This like I'm obviously from the 90s. Big ups. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you, Alex. And enjoy this conversation. All right, mister. Um, I've been, I feel like we've been talking about this conversation for, I mean, it's not that I feel like we have, we have been talking about it for several months and I am, uh, I'm excited that we're here. Um, welcome Alex Schwartz. How the fuck are you, man? <laughs> Dan, it is fantastic to see you as always my brother. And, um, I am good. I am good. It's been a wild week. I've been in the last two weeks, been back and forth to Toronto. I was in Costa Rica with my family before that. I just spent a week at PodFest with my business partner from Denver and dropping in and uh, really working on focusing on, on lifting our business up, the Disrupted Workforce podcast, which is a show focused on the most disrupted workforce in human history and helping people unpack and understand what all this disruption from AI, everybody's talking about chat GPT and they should be to work from home and all the disruptions we've seen to leadership pre post uh, pandemic and really helping people survive and thrive in this dynamic new future. So that is our, our focus and uh, that is what's keeping me busy these days. Yeah, man. All right. So just to name it really quickly, like the, the intent, my intention here, what, why, what I want to get into is taking the lens of fatherhood first. Like we'll both put on our, our dad glasses here for a minute. And um, there's an immense amount of things that you and I have talked about or could talk about in terms of fatherhood and what it means to be a man. And just for everybody's context, um, Alex was in actually the first cohort of Fatherhood Unlocked, uh, an online program that I ever ran. And, uh, you know, we've been well connected since that point, we had a we had a beautiful uh, hangout on the coast of Maine at a beach, uh, your son Jagger, how old is Jagger now? Is he Jagger is seven? Yeah, that seven. was that was a fantastic. That was a fantastic afternoon. And so so good to, to be with you and, uh, you know, your wife and the boys and, and your baby girl. Um, living the fully fatherhood unlocked life. <laughs> yeah. So our kids have played. I, th I think, I think that's like uh that, that means something, right? So our kids have played together. Um, but so, so there is this shared fatherhood sort of thing that we're undergoing, but part, one of the things that I'm really, really, um, I guess just concerned with and pay a lot of attention to is the, the whole, the possibility that the future right now is really, really, really sort of unknowable, right? I think about when I grew up in in the 80s and 90s, and I think about the future that my parents imagined. And I've actually asked them about this, right? Like, like, what did you imagine was going the future was going to be like? And they had some concepts of like fucking flying cars and shit like that from the cartoons and things like that. But for the most part, I think my parents, that generation was like, well, it's you know, I don't know, it's going to be mostly this the same It's going to be somewhat similar. Um, and I don't think that I'm saying anything outside the box here by saying that our generation with with us with little children, children right now, are literally staring into a future that we we kind of fundamentally know is going to be far different than than what than what we have lived so far primarily through technology but possible possibly through climate disruption possibly through geopolitical shit just it seems to me like we're looking into a future that is um just there's a lot of change a lot of change has been happening and it seems like that change will only continue and potentially accelerate so my here's my basic question alex and, and we'll, we'll break this into a lot of different items right but my basic question is how do we best parent our children now for this future that's that's one of my fundamental questions how do we yeah. address this unknown future to our actions today 
Is that even possible? Sort of that's one. I want to throw out another big question right away, which is, so the focus of your work and the focus of your show is to talk about the disruption in work, right? And obvious, I'm going to say the obvious here, but one of the primary identities and roles of most fathers is that of a professional or worker or breadwinner or partial breadwinner, however that functions, it is a critical, critical part for almost every dad out there. So uh, there's this big picture kind of meta question of like, how do we prep our kids for the future? But then there's also this more practical question is what's going to happen to work as we know it? in the short and medium term future. And how I guess even another simple way to say it is like, how can I assure I can continue providing for my family in the midst of what seems like some some craziness? So I know that's a lot and we'll break it down, but I wanted to just lob those two main questions at you right, right to start. I love it. So the, the two main questions being, how do we parent our children in these uncertain times? And what does the future of work we're providing in our in our man uh, role of of protector and caretaker and provider, which is sort of innate to to all of us in some way, shape, or form? Although there's a wide variety of ways that we do that, what does that look like in this disrupted work future? And how do we kind of make sense of that? Exactly. Um, so, so how about we start there? Can you? just download some basics of what's been happening in in the work world and and where you think it's headed just just give it tell us a little narrative to sort of ground the conversation i think so i think where you started that things are really uncertain i think that is a critical point for everybody to get their arms around because this pace of unrelenting change that we've been experiencing it's not going away, Dan. It's just not. It's probably yeah. going to go even faster. And some of the things that we're seeing in the news, which which I'm sure we'll we'll touch on, I think that's kind of just the beginning in some of these areas of of change to to work and really what it means to be uh, a human on this planet when you ladder up to the bigger themes. There's also quite a bit of positive stuff going on um, in terms of leadership, in terms of inclusion, in terms of an empowered workforce that is really, really encouraging. And that I think people need to hear and understand this is, this is not a, a black and white landscape. There's a lot of gray and I think kind of leaning into where the opportunities for change, transformation, and and taking agency in your your career is more important than ever. Um, stating the obvious, the pandemic flipped work on its head, right? Yeah. yeah. So a lot of the trends that we were looking at, and the reason that I left my gig in corporate, which was a, a nice cushy gig was because I deeply felt that there were certain waves that were beginning to crest in terms of how work was changing and also a sense that as technology proliferates, I hope your editor can fix that, proliferates, proliferates, (laughs) (laughs) Um, that we would have a need to really step more into what makes us human. So let's get a little more specific. So obviously, this idea of so so you've got this battle between command and control with folks that want to push people back to the office versus folks that want the agency and flexibility of remote and hybrid work. So point number one, uh, we believe that is 100% here to stay. I don't think leaders that are pushing people back to the office full time are going to be successful, even if we dip into a recession, which is everybody that's on everyone's mind. So I think this notion of an empowered workforce and of, of, of flexibility is a core driver to how we work. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. 
Yeah. So for people that are open to that, that's fantastic. For people that want that full return to the office and the way it was, you know, there's a, I got to give those folks a, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't see that, you know? Yeah. So the more you can kind of accept this and lean into that, um, I think the better off you'll be. So let me just ask, is the underlying, because I'm, I'm hearing it, hearing it and how you're talking about it. So when you say it offers, you know, uh, a new opportunity for what makes us human. So let me, let me just sort of like, does working from home and what happened in the pandemic, has there been some sort of cultural or collective sense of, oh, hold on a second, work has been playing too dominant of a role in controlling my life and who I think I am and what I do in the world. And look at this, I could potentially uh, make some sort of shift there. And now being home or being with my family or being outside uh, can become more primary. And here, here's the reason I ask it, is that that message is one that's consistent uh, on an individual level with the work that I do with with dads. For example, we had a we had a retreat last fall and then we had a follow-up call and each of them came back, you know, six weeks later and reported you, they, something pretty remarkable. They said, you know what? I realized I was giving 120% at work. I just cut that back to like 90%. My family's way fucking happier. I'm healthier and things feel more balanced. Um, so I might be offering kind of a, I don't know, I might be comparing apples to oranges, but am I, am I, does that track for you? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you saw that through the lens of the great resignation, right? So people were quitting or changing their jobs at a rate of 4 million Americans uh, a month for over a year, which is just staggering. Um, we did an episode unpacking the reasons because a lot of the various stories were saying, trying to oversimplify and say it's one thing. And we actually distilled it to 15 different factors that were promoting this shift and, and, and getting people to driving people to, to quit or, or switch it up. I think the obvious part of this is that the pandemic for many of us was an existential crisis, yeah. right? Yeah. So you go through an existential crisis and you go through these big questions of why am I here? What do I want to do? How do I want to be? How do I want to show up? You are trying to do your job the way that you used to do it from home, and it's really hard and unfamiliar. And even when you're flexing those adaptation muscles, which which I would also like to touch on, um, you know, it's not easy. I mean, we all kind of figured it out, but this very messy existence of you know, if you're if you're single, it was a little less messy. It was more isolating than anything else. But if you're a dad home with your 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 your, your family and your kids, you know, it was really really tough to kind of juggle and manage it all. And you know, it's kind of interesting and apropos, I would argue that this trend toward a four day work week is now really catching fire because, you yeah. know, one thing that I noticed pre pandemic, which I think is a key point to to talk about, is that when we became truly digital and had handheld devices that kept it, us connected at all times, and when the workforce was truly able to go global with Zoom and all these other wonderful technologies that made it easier to seamlessly connect with anyone anywhere at any time, we stepped into this phenomenon of always on work, right? So yeah. we're just constantly reachable, yeah. constant, and, and so the boundaries started to fall away. And to compensate for that, what happens is that we're all now doing the stuff that we would normally do at home at work. We're scheduling doctor's appointments. We're doing our Amazon checkout. We're whatever it is. We're, we're quote unquote multitasking. All the data shows that multitasking actually doesn't work, that task switching mm -hmm. takes time away from our focus. I know you're a huge believer on dropping in and being deeply focused and you help a lot of guys with that. You've helped me with that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as that kind of continued into the pandemic, it just became really fucking unmanageable, yeah. right? Like always on work at home with the kids, every space, you know, your, your kitchen is now a kitchen, an office, a playroom, a yoga studio, you know, you name it. <laughs> and it just, it just, it just got really, really messy. 
And so I think it kind of put that mirror up to everybody's face about what am I doing with my time? Does this make sense? I see front and center the people that I love and care about and how I want to show up with them because I'm at home with them all the time. And I think it's kind of really magnifying whatever's sitting within us that might feel inauthentic, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Right. That that's what I, that's what I was, what I was seeing as you were saying that is that, you know, there was like a movie playing of how people went to work of how men of how everybody went to work. And then all of a sudden just, it got, got, you got shook and everything went fucking wonky. And then, then people kind of woke up and, and like saw it from a different perspective. And, and I think, for a lot of people, you know, the great resignation, these things are evidence. It's just like, hold on, this doesn't fucking work for me. Right. Like this, like, like it just doesn't work for me. And I think, I think that's, um, I think it goes beyond work, but particularly, you know, it's crazy. You know, I work with a lot of professionals. I work with a lot of executives and founders and the amount of, uh, you know, I, I even I hate to even bring up the phrase work life balance because it just sets off like a whole uh, reel of ideas and thoughts and shame and all the things. But this idea of people always being on and this, you know, it it is it is crushing people and it's crushing families. And so from the from the dad lens perspective, right, if if you are or I don't know, I mean, everybody gets to choose how they want to fucking do this. But if you are not unplugging from work ever, and you are just bleeding all of your like, I think we really want to look at what that's showing our children and how it's impacting our kids. Like, because that's, that's a really fucking big deal. It's a really big deal. And I don't know yet that we have yet found. So if all of this shit doesn't work, what will? I don't know if we found that yet. Maybe some people have. The question about purpose is that really big one, right? And I, I wrote a, an article recently about my idea that the word purpose might need a rebranding. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I think in most cases, when you have things that shake up the world or shake up existence the way that these events have, it's easy for the pendulum to swing too far in the other direction. And I think the, the, the caution that I would give is that if you're passionate about something, you know, it doesn't mean that that's the thing you're supposed to go do for work. Maybe that's your hobby. Maybe it's about figuring out how to align your work life so you can do more of that hobby that feels authentic and purposeful to you, you know? Um, And that traditionally going to the office, I mean, the the traditional work structure, the nine to five, that was created by Henry Ford as a a construct for factory work on the assembly line. So we have to look at that and say, this is a very old construct and it probably doesn't make sense for a lot of roles and occupations today. Um, but at the same time, the, the idea of, you know, clocking in and clocking out that work was something that we as men traditionally did to provide for our families and to allow for us to, to step into that provider role that doesn't need to be, you know, crumpled up and, and, and thrown out completely. Um, you know, if you are doing work for, so, so I think it comes down to values and I know you work a lot in this space. Um, for me, it's okay. Is it possible that you do a role that, that you find purpose in your work because you're doing a role that you're good at, you're working with people that demand that you level up your game you're working with an organization that has values or principles that you are aligned to, but maybe what you're producing or the problem that you're solving doesn't feel like, Hey, this is how I'm going to change the world. Yeah. But at the same time, you know that you're leveling up, that you're in an organization that cares about you. You feel seen, you feel heard, you have community around you. You don't feel lonely or isolated, which is a huge problem now. Uh, more than ever. 
and that that allows you to provide for your family and create some some me time that allows you to pursue something that that really lights you up and allows you to show up in every area of your life with more passion and purpose and joy then you know you're winning (laughs) you're you're winning and i think the on the purpose needs a rebranding part i think that some folks in going through this existential crisis said, oh my God, if my job doesn't check every single box and feel like the most important thing that I could possibly do with my life, then I'm just gonna run from it. And and figuring out a calling, that takes a lot of time and experimentation, right? You know? And so going back to the bigger trend, because of how fast things are moving, because of how quickly technology is actually changing what we can get compensated for, because of how quickly the dynamics of how we work are changing, there's very good research that shows that we're probably going to have 13 plus lifetimes in our careers. So going back to those, those kids that we're raising, holy yeah. fucking shit. You know, our, our parents had one or two careers. We've had several. Our kids are going to have a multiple of that. Holy shit. Really? Okay. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's, it. that's so that's massive. So that's, that's fucking crazy. That is crazy. So this idea of being able to, so Nate and I, my, my business partner and I, he's super brilliant guy. He's created all these future of work programs for fortune 500 companies for years. I'm, I'm blessed and honored to have him as my co-founder. And we keep stepping back and saying, look, most people come up to us and say, hey guys, what's the hot industry? What's the hot job? Where do I go now? What's that skill that I need to know that you know AI doesn't do? People yeah. want the quick answers and they just wanna put on their, their running shoes and run toward the next thing so that they don't get destroyed yeah. by these waves of disruption. And we kept thinking about this idea of you have to figure out how to put your surfboard on the wave first in order to ride it. Mm. And what are some core principles that could be really helpful to folks? And I, I want to share this to the dads listening. Um, and we came up with, you know, we've always been big fans of Carol Dweck and mindset and her, her tremendous work in mindset. I know you do great work in mindset mm. as well and are a big believer in that. We started to say, well, what's the future of work mindset? What does that look mm. like? And we drilled it down. We, we played with it for a long time through various models that we'd worked with, through our own personal growth journeys, through the trends we were seeing. And we said, look, we think it's three pillars. We think it's explore, expand, and evolve. And yep. explore speaks to, a lot of these speak to the, the pace of rapid change, but explore is the idea that traditional education for work and traditional education for our, our lives, you know, you you go to you go to high school, you, you you go to college, maybe you go to grad school, maybe you get a PhD, and then you're done, and then you you learn when yeah. your boss tells you to learn. Yeah, yeah. that's fucking over. Yeah. That is <laughs> over. So that's principle number one: is that okay. we are yeah. all continuous learners now, and we must find the joy in that. It can't mm. be the rote you know, memorize and regurgitate thing that we learned in school, because that's not sustainable. So figuring out how do we learn about what technology is doing in our industry? How do we learn about the dynamics of how work and leadership are changing? How do we just constantly build that curiosity and that continuous learning muscle from a place of learning equals joy and empowerment? And that if I'm consistently learning, I will stay ahead of the mm. curve and I'll stay adaptable. All right. That- hallelujah. That's that that's so I just wanna I wanna affirm, I just wanna put the point, like post-it note that, right? So consistent exploration and learning as a fundamental joy and something that you okay. So I I I love it. Interrupting this conversation for just a minute to tell you about intentional fathering. Intentional Fathering is an audio course, something I recorded with a lot of time and and, uh, intention, surprise, surprise, (laughs) about a year ago. 
Uh, I actually just went back and listened to to it again on a road trip just to check in and make sure that I stand by the product. And I was I was warmly surprised. This program is delivered as a podcast. It's a private podcast. It comes right to Spotify, iTunes when you buy it. And it is intended to offer a very, very uh, deep, clear, and efficient perspective on fatherhood and is kind of intended to be a wake-up call, a call to action, and delivering you a set of tools, an embodiment of reflection, of contemplation, challenges to do with your family and kids, challenges to get your own shit together. And uh, I'm proud of it and excited to share it with you. You can find it on dandody.com slash intentional fathering, or if you go to the homepage, dandody.com, Click on the fatherhood link and it's the bottom one. Intentional fathering audio course. Check it out. All right. And you're you're an explorer. You take men into the woods on these incredible journeys of self-discovery. You know and have seen firsthand so many times how that exploration and also in the exploration of self that you do in Fatherhood Unlocked, that that is very exciting, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we build these learning muscles in an incremental way? But it's got to be consistent. Yep. Yep. Great. The second piece is expand. And this is all about adaptability and resilience. Thankfully, through the pandemic, we all realized we were much more resilient than we thought we were. So that's a huge plus. So for anyone who says I'm not good at adaptation, you just did it for, you know, two years at least. So give yourself a pat on the back. You're already much more adaptable than you were in 2019. And the second piece of that is looking at it as an expansion of identity. And this is a big thing for for Mm -hmm. everybody and a huge thing for men. For so many of us, myself included, you know, I am what I do. You know, know, I was in New York for 19 years. This exists everywhere, but especially in New York. Within second or third question of meeting somebody new, what do you do? right? Everybody's sizing one another up, measuring our dicks against what do we do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not healthy. What, who we are, our identities are much more than that. Uh, you know, what we identify with those I am statements. I mean, I'm sure you've done this with, with, with clients and, 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 and all your men's work, you know, expanding that sense of di- identity much beyond I go to work and do this. I am a dad. I am a rollerblader. I am a music aficionado. I am a podcaster. You know, I am a heart-centered, centered, devoted husband. All these pieces. And I just having- want to, I just, just for a second, I just want to speak yeah, yeah, like the, the norm to that, which I'm maybe most listeners already can feel this, but that narrowing of focus. Here's the script that most men, and, and uh, when I say most men, I'm talking about the thousands that I've worked with. Uh, not fair, but that's what I'm rolling with here. But is the, just, the the specific, just the thousands, just the thousands that you've worked with, Dan. The specific <laughs> identity tends to be I not only this is what I do, but it's it, my level of performance at this specific task seems to hold 99% of men's identity, right? Is I am a really good lawyer blank, or I am a struggling blank artist, right? Whatever, whatever you want to put there. And then that entire, and this is a huge part of my work with dads and men in general is to start not only to see that there's more sent, there's more data points for what the self actually is, but actually to give them credence, right? So I just, I guess I just want to, it's a very hyper hypertrophied. We'll edit that one so I make that right. It's a very exaggerated, very specific sense of identity most men have, right? And so I just want to say that the breaking away from that is 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 not straightforward and it's not immediate. Um, but anyway, yeah, like keep keep rolling. I, I, I just, think I just wanted is... to accentuate that. What you said is so profound because it's literally a meter level for the ego, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a meter. If I'm really good at what I do, then I'm good and I'm worthy. If I'm not great at what I do, then I'm not worthy. Exactly. And it's all in the lens of work, right? It's, it's, I mean, I will share with you 
the journey to becoming a good podcaster has been a journey, right? Initially, I sucked at this because I was ultra learning it. I was wiring the plane while I flew it. So I had to look at all these other areas in my life where I was showing up well to affirm what what felt good and what felt true. Because if I had just based it on yep. my podcasting ability as a as a neophyte podcaster, I mean, Jesus, I, I would have never continued this. Yeah, yeah. One more comment, then I want you to get back to your three points because I think they're fucking brilliant. But the so when a man's identity is so narrow focused, right? It it's like you know you just took the 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 you went down that narrow tunnel all the way. The the whole here's what I'm curious about. I'm curious about like what if we took that level of investment of self and we we pulled it back. And we, mm-hmm. and we, and we put the, the family, the fatherhood, the, 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 the other parts of life first, and then we made work identity, a function of that larger identity. And maybe, maybe that's what true for most people, or people would tell you that's true, but it doesn't seem to actually be the case when you get in there with men. So um, I know I'm going a bit on a tangent here. I just I just want to take the opportunity to really name that because I think that's probably true for a lot of people listening. Um, but bring us bring us back. I'm going to shut my mouth I, for a I while. I couldn't agree yeah. more with you. Right sizing yeah. that work identity portion of our ego and self is critical. Yes, especially in an age where it is going to be shifting so much. Exactly. Right. Yes. And and this is where the image that keeps coming up in my mind is the image of the ostrich with its head in the sand that a lot of folks, when these waves of disruption to their work, to their role, to their industry come up, that marriage to their work identity and their inability to let go yes is going to result in people getting fucking steamrolled well and many other things probably things that that i mean i can just roll off a list of ways that men behave uh when they're when they're not able to handle what's happening and it's it's not good for anybody yeah what i just said to you that's why i do this That's why I do this more than anything. I wanted to do this work because I started to intuit back in 2018 that this moment of people getting run over by the waves of change was going to lead to a lot of people getting paralyzed and unable to let go and unable to adapt. And that felt really not okay to me as someone who's gone through a lot of change and has been at some very low points in my life where I've had to kind of walk across the threshold and get to the other side. And I've been really lucky, really, really lucky that I got those whispers to do that, that I got the support to do that, that I was able to do that because I had many situations that could have led to incarceration, demise, you name it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. So here, here's the narrative that keeps going through my head. So my grandfather, you know, where was he born? He was born, I think he was born in Minnesota. And, um, you know, he had a very simple landscape in front of him. You know, he was the first one to go to college from the family. He went to college, he got a career, he stayed in that career his entire life, and he retired and had, you know, that was his entire life. I think for my father's generation, he took the messages from that. What are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to do? I think my dad had a little bit more complexity. He tried some different stuff. You know, he did a few different school programs. He found a career, but he ended up sinking into that similar uh, path, right? He had a career. He stuck with it till he uh, retired, and then he's been retired, right? Now I I you know have a very different path, but I did grow up with that language. Like, damn, what are you going to be when you grow up, right? What do you want to study? What's you know what's your identity you want to choose now and then live for your entire every life? 
but like I broke out of that model fairly early in my, and I have a really interesting, strange path, right? I was a wilderness therapy guide. I was a high school teacher. I had all this travel experience and somehow my, I like piece together the sort of winding path to do what I do now. But now what I'm hearing you say, which I also feel in my bones is that, I mean, look at how much things have changed just from this, first of all, the pandemic, but this technology Zoom that we're on right now yep. literally changed the entire fucking world, right? So yep. now we're looking at my children and I'm thinking, the I just see like the levels of complexity going through the roof, right? And so, and so if there's two things, again, to reframe the first two questions and we're right on them, I love this. So, you know, one is, like, what do I, as dad today, not just Dan, but other people listening, right? So it's like, how am I going to fucking manage this change, right? Because it, it almost feels, Alex, like we are uh, like on a rocket ship going to a different planet. And we actually, we can't predict what that planet's going to look like. We like are. The tech, that, right? That's it's exactly a rocket ship right. to a new planet. That's exactly and, right. Right. And so what I'm hearing you say is if we're not in the right mindset to land on a different planet, and be able to make livings for our family on this new planet, it's going to get real rough. It's going to get real rough. And so not only do I want to put myself in a flexible enough mindset to, to, to be able to gather food and clothing and water on this new planet, I want my children to be able to adapt and thrive in there. Right. So I, I, I think I'm just, I'm, I'm not saying anything that we're not already saying, but that's to me, that's the generational narrative here that we're talking about. Yeah. I want to step back to you talking about your, your journey to where you are now. And I want to shine a spotlight on that because what you just said is what people need to hear your arrival in this fully embodied purposeful career has been an exploration. Yes. You didn't just wake up one day and say, Hey, I want to go help men become more embodied in their fathering and, and remove blocks for them and allow them to live these big, beautiful lives. You know that? <laughs> no, no, yeah. definitely not. No. And to the point of the rocket ship, you know, we get some really smart people on the show. We've got some really interesting people that we dialogue with. And since the beginning, since we started this work, we made a point to say, look, we don't want to call anybody an expert in the future of work because there are no fucking experts. This yeah. is happening so fast. The change is so fast that it is constantly revisiting, reevaluating, and reassessing what is going on. And I think the funny point is that for most of us throughout our lives, we're on this ball of dirt and water in the middle of the galaxy spinning around and we're all looking for this high level of of, of certainty and predictability right and i i still i'm fully plagiarizing michael singer right now so i want to give a shout out mm -hmm. because his book the untethered soul does an amazing job about kind of bringing this concept to life of how uncertain, how unpredictable, and how amazing life is, and that we're oftentimes just trying to create things and put everything in boxes and label it and make it look a certain way and feel a certain way, because we don't want to acknowledge just how crazy and uncertain this existence yeah. actually is. Yeah. And what's super cool about this moment that we're in is that things are changing so fast that you're kind of forced to acknowledge it on a daily basis, you're kind of forced to, you know, anybody that's, that's looking for that predictable, let's put a bow around this life. I mean, just, just let go. <laughs> just, yeah, just like, yeah, go. that's, that might be tough medicine here, but I think you're fucking right, man. You just, yeah, we got to let go. <laughs> we got to fucking let that shit go. So I, I think for our kids, that adaptability is, is showing them all the sides of us. It's showing them that we are willing to lean in, that we're willing to explore, that we're willing to try new things, that we have a growth mindset, that we have a future of work mindset. But at the same time, that there is a roller coaster of emotions that go along mm. with this. Mm. And not hiding that because you know, I, you know, I let my son see me cry now and again, you know, when it when it comes up. 
You know, I'm not shy about that. I tell them when I'm sad. I tell them when I'm frustrated. I tell them when I need a timeout. Yeah. Like, hey, Jagger, dad's really tired. I worked really hard. I want to hang out with you. I'm super excited to spend some more time with you, but I need to go lie down for 20 minutes because I, 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 I need to be my best self. Daddy needs to be his best self. I'll see you in 20. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay. <laughs> um, I want to get to uh, the last mm -hmm. piece of this. So, but I'm, I'm really glad we spent some time on identity because I do think that in a lot of ways is the biggest piece in this moment. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got explore, expand, and then you've got evolve, which is all about evolving our humanity. Because as we look at, um, for anybody that's played with chat GPT, your mind is probably deservedly blown. Um, I saw a presentation this last week where a guy on stage was talking about the fact that he asked chat GPT to write a story about divorce through children, through the lens of a family of squirrels. Mm. And then he used Dolly 2 to create child-friendly images of families of squirrels. And in 15 minutes, it had written a 13-page, beautiful, illustrated children's book about divorce through the lens of a family of squirrels. Mm. And so if you're, you're a writer, that's probably yeah. scary. Yeah, totally. If you're a graphic designer, that's probably scary. In some ways, chat GPT sort of feels like what we always wanted from Google, right? We always wanted to just put one thing in and get a single source of truth answer. And mm -hmm. chat GPT tries to do that. You, know, you can type in, what is the best resolution for the Russian-Ukraine conflict? And it will. So these technologies like this are really wild. And they're testing hypotheses that I've had about where do humans play in Excel and where does technology play in Excel and what is that one plus one equals three solution look like where man plus machine are having some sort of beautiful symbiosis that allows AI and advanced technologies to do more and more of the busy work that we don't want to do and gives us more freedom to do work that that stretches us and allows us to grow and solve problems that we care about. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to see a lot of that, which is great. But there are also going to be moments where we're, we're going to be forced to question, hey, this thing that I was doing that I was really good at, and I got paid for it, it doesn't, I can't do it anymore. Because the machine's no. better than me. No. And that's why you need that expand piece in front of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, but the heart centered leadership, the, the being relational piece, the part of us that's good at caregiving and thinking of others, the part of us that is good at solving problems on the fly. Um, you know, AI is really good at solving specific problems with massive data sets. It's not particularly mm -hmm. good at thinking about solving problems on the fly the way we as humans are. So innovation, thinking, caregiving, heart-centered leadership, empathy, compassion. These human skills, these innate human skills, um, I don't call them soft skills because there's been a lot of debate that that uh, incorrectly uh, positions them more towards uh, women's skills. And these are skills that we all have, but traditionally soft skills have been thought of as skills that that women are more gifted towards. And when you look at it through the lens of human skills, that's a reminder that we all have the ability to, to be really great yeah. at these things. And yeah, you know, well, that's been my uh, platform for a decade, right? Yeah. Like, which, which is, which seems um, like we've got a little headway there, but there's still a lot. There's, I mean, as the world, a world of men who still don't have the value set that fits that. Would you, would you say that's accurate? Yeah, you're 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 serving a smaller population than is needed in this moment, and you're serving them incredibly well. But more and more men need to lean into this. Not just it's funny when I started doing this work, I started thinking of it as this is kind of a Trojan horse for personal growth. 
<laughs> because what you're getting when you think about what technology is taking over, technology is forcing us to leap into our highest humanity. This idea that you can out hustle an algorithm is over. The irony that I talk about is for years, you know, technology has promised us that it would make our lives less busy, less hectic, less overloaded. And instead it's just created more and more and more for us to do and tried to help us yeah. with that. It's been overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And we continuously try and fail to be more productive than the technology that we've created. And yeah. what's, what's really cool is that because AI and these advanced technologies are so good, it's it's no longer a debate about whether or not we can beat them at, at their own game. We can't. Yeah. So that surrender is pushing us into leaning into the things that we are truly great at. I'm sort of repeating myself, but I think it bears repeating because you know, it needs to be because I don't think it's clear and I think it needs to be shouted. I mean, that that uh, I, I think this is I mean, Alex, when we talk about this, I get the sense that this is literally the generational problem of our of our generation in the future like like th this t seems to be as big and important of anything we could talk about if if we have any room for proactive thinking this is what i think we need to be fucking talking about man i mean and and then where the climate fits in too but that's what i'm hearing you say is that we're we've already it's already been proven our old models are are going to very quickly be out of the picture in terms of what's valued at work and what what how we do that and there's going to be a period of time here and maybe that's indefinite but it's it's going to be very um unnerving uncertain and and there's a lot of readjustment to be happening and what I, but what you're saying is that what where there is clear room that the ai won't be better at is in the basic human uh connection and relationships and care and and sort of our basic human life our norm like the, the the deeper parts of life that for a long time have been put to the side because we've been working i would say in in a, in a simple way and so for a father right i mean this this is this is of utmost importance for me, this is of utmost importance, right? I mean, we're all wired so strongly to survive and we have kids and we have a family and now they're enrolled in our survival, right? Our survival isn't about ours. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I, if I, if I had much clear in that little rant, but I guess I'm just trying to just to sort of say, this is a big fucking deal, man. It's a big this fucking a deal. This is a huge and I, fucking deal. And I, I love the way you're framing it. And I, I would say to dads, you know, on the, on the evolution side of this, if you can, and it's hard to do, and it's harder to do now than ever, be present. Be present because the way that we've been using our devices has been making us more robotic. And that was another thing that kind of motivated me in the early days. I said, gosh, there's, there are these two trains that are going to collide. You know, I was working in digital transformation at a, at a big firm and seeing, you know, getting a preview of how crazy all this technology was and understanding that it was really going to disrupt blue collar and white collar workers equally that knowledge work uh, was going to drastically change and that there was a need for us to really leap into our highest humanity at the same time, the way that we was, we've been using our technology has been making us more robotic. You know, how do we, yeah. how do we send that quick, efficient text versus leave a voice note? You're so good at leaving voice notes. You know, I love that about you. You know, you're always thinking relationally and that's what it's about. It's about thinking relationally and saying, Hey, let's put these efficiencies down. Let's try to avoid getting text neck by staring at my phone screen all day long. And let's truly be present because that's our gift, right? That's a human gift is, is presence and holding space. And, and that's the work that you do. And that's what you enable other men to do. And that is a huge superpower because people are, are struggling with the ability to pay attention now, just to oh, pay hugely. Hugely. Yeah. That's, um, I, I mean, I feel hopeful 
So anyway, so the evolve category, right? We need to evolve. Like th- that excites me. And I do have, I both feel some real overwhelm about what that's going to mean for dads or men or people. But I also do have a real sense of um, hope and not, and hope that's founded on real experience, right? Because learning to pay attention again is is very possible and it doesn't even necessarily take that long as long as you can get really clear that you want to and you and you and you like go for it right you have to commit to something like that you know learning to open your heart and and feel you know your children more be more relational or develop these parts like i I think and I'm not the only one saying this, but I just want to, there is, I do feel hopeful because it can happen and it can happen quite efficiently, right? It doesn't, it doesn't take that much time for a, a real revolution of understanding and experience to happen, you know, but man, Alex, I don't, I, I got to tell you, man, I feel like, um, <clears throat> I feel like this conversation is like literally just scratching the surface and, um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we just do a part two. That's how, and we're not going to quite wrap up now, but I'm just, I'm just stream of consciousness, consciousness sharing this right now. But I, every time we've talked about this, I just get more and more engaged and more and more. Um, I mean, it's freaky. I'll just be really honest. It's it's freaky, right? Like I love to write. I think that the, you know, the human trend, you know, I studied literature. I've written novels, all of this stuff. And yeah, for me, you're a great writer. Yeah. For me to let go of that. Oh, that is a, that would be one of my huge areas of, of, you know, evolving and expanding and changing. Like what, like if it it just becomes really obvious that, yeah, that will never be, it's, it's just so interesting. That's just a personal example for me. But then I think about, you know, all of the other men I work with and all of their jobs and all of their roles. And you're right, like blue collar and white collar. I think maybe, you know, you preserve safety in your identity as long as you can. You're just like, oh, well, that'll hit all those people, but not me. But I, but I think what I'm waking up to is like, this is fucking everybody. Like, like there is a, like a, a true sort of crisis of identity that, that we have already begun probably, but it's only going to get more intense. And um, so when you say Trojan horse for personal growth, right? Like this, what you mean by that is this work scenario, the ch- the disruption of work is the Trojan horse for personal growth. The Trojan horse for work is helping people understand that this is the personal growth work that you get paid for. Got it. This is the personal growth work that you get paid for because by becoming more human in the digital age, you are infinitely more valuable in the workforce. Mm. And the side benefit is, guess what? Your relationships get to improve. You get to feel better. You get to feel more embodied. Your love life improves. You become a better dad. All these things that we're talking about that technology doesn't do that are now, I mean, you've probably noticed, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'll, I'll shift it. I'll say, I have been blown away with how shitty customer service has become in <laughs> most areas, okay? I've been blown away. And I can also understand and appreciate that if you work in a call center and you think, man, I'm just waiting for them to develop that chat bot a little bit further before they fire me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to give a fuck about being excellent at those skills. Mm-hmm. And it's upsetting to me when I get a human being on the phone and the technological chat service or, you know, voice prompt service solves my problem better than that human being does. Mm -hmm. It really upsets me because the opportunity is to become great at being relational in a way that Mm -hmm. this technology never will be. You know, I can imagine in the not too distant future that when you call 
you know, your local internet provider, it'll be a Zoom call. You'll see a 3D image person that doesn't really exist, but it looks like a person powered by chat GPT and some sort of voice application responding to your every query. You're going to see basically 3D digital humans instead of real humans. Right. And that's going to happen. But on the other side of that, we are going to be starving for great human interaction. Yes. So, but I just want to bring back to, to, to what I see as the real tension point. Um, and let's talk about it for a few minutes and then maybe we'll, we'll hang it up there for now and then pick it back up. But I really do intend to pick this back up. Um, so yes, we are starving for deeper human connection. I, th I think that's just really clear, really obvious. I am. I mean, I think a lot and everybody I know is. Um, and it does seem to be getting harder and harder. It's it, it, there's, there's a little paradox. There's like a nut here. I'm not sure how to crack. And I don't know, maybe you have some insight into it. But yes, these technologies are driving us further apart from each other, like substantially. And what we're hearing is that the where the juice is going to be in this technological future is in our connection and our humanity. And I'm just I just don't know what charting the course to that is going to look like, right? I mean, I think I think there's those same forces seem to be somewhat at dissonance with each other. Maybe not. I don't know. Just at, in this moment, my my viewpoint into that thing is um, it's a little tight and confusing in there. It is confusing and there aren't easy solutions, but some tools that come to mind and that have worked for me are really around just setting boundaries with your technology mm -hmm. and setting mm -hmm. and intentionally creating time to be relational. Um, you know, avoiding, avoiding the vortex of just getting sucked into our devices. We, we had the, the good fortune of uh, interviewing Tristan Harris um, from the Center for Humane Technology and, and the star of the, the documentary, The Social Dilemma. Mm -hmm. And we talked to him about the metaverse and what are the implications for work and for life. And we said, Hey, Tristan, and we did a rapid fire Q and a with him at the end. I said, Hey, Tristan, you know, if you were in, what, what would, what would you do in the metaverse? He said, I would be standing there with a sign above my head that says, find me in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yep, that's wow. it. Wow. Oh man. Oh, I'm so fired up about this. I, and I'm really unsettled about this. And I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it's what it needs to be or look like. But certainly, I hope I can have you back for a for a part two. And maybe maybe that's maybe that's immediate and ra rather than rather than something down the road. I don't know. We, I, we'll we'll touch base offline and or, well, we'll touch base off call, but online, I guess. Um, we'll if, touch if, base somehow. <laughs> sure. And if you want, we could also bring in uh, my co-host, Nate, because he's brilliant yeah. and heart-centered, and he's done all this. He's he's done a bunch of uh, Tony Robbins Global Youth Leadership Summit stuff, and he's a father yeah. of three. And Cool. You know, really. That could be really guy. cool. Well, let's, let's just – so for your rapid-fire sort of final question um, – based on everything we're talking about the rocket ship into the future that's we're that we're all on what what is uh what is one sort of hopeful or positive thing you see for your son and for the next generation what are you excited about for him i'm excited for him to live in a world that is going to force people to be to go back to human to go back to these human roots of of uh truly being more relational than ever i th i think we are going to see it it's going to be bumpy but i think we are going to see it i am excited for him to live in a world where as crazy as this technology and unsettling as this technology can be at times i think it's also going to solve some massive massive problems for us mm -hmm. um 
whether it's disease or ways of governing or possibly helping us to avoid major conflicts, um, uh, possibilities and hope for massively innovative agricultural solutions on the planet, climate change mm-hmm. solutions. I, th- I think, I think it's going to be incredibly helpful. And, um, I think the third thing would be that we are entering this, this age where curiosity is such a superpower. Mm. When I think about a seven-year-old boy, what's more curious than a seven-year-old boy, you know? And so that spirit of curiosity that you can really carry forth, um, as something that will be more honored and accepted and exalted than I think in any generation in a long time. Well, thanks, man. Um, you got, you put your chops in dude. Like uh, you've, if you said you weren't very good at podcasting at the beginning, you, you fucking, you've gotten on top of that hill. Uh, this has been amazing. <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm bummed that it's so short, uh, but uh but we'll have to continue this in some form because I think, I think what uh, in a really that, you know, our premise together, your premise and my premise or our platforms in a, in a really interesting way are, are really marching to the beat of a similar drummer. And it's, it's, it's just, it's cool to see how, um, how things look from different perspectives. Right. But uh, I couldn't, I couldn't appreciate you more, man. And uh I hope everybody hearing this is both scared and alive, you know, and really just like perking up here right now. Thank you. And I want to give a plug to anybody that is thinking about your fatherhood unlocked course. Don't think about it. Do it. It is fucking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Well, it's changing in format. It's changing in format. Um, but thank you. I do appreciate that. And uh, tell us where tell us where you live online. Where's Absolutely. where do we find more about all of this? Yeah. Um, so to connect with me, Alex, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Alex Schwartz, the Disrupted Workforce. Uh, the podcast, the Disrupted Workforce, is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. We got a bunch of great clips on YouTube. If you're looking for some more snackable content and we are about to start releasing trends episodes as well to just go deep on these trends as they're coming up um i think will be exciting for folks and you know i would love to hear what people are interested in what moves you what are you excited about in this dynamic new future what are you scared about hit me up i'd love to hear from you beautiful thank you alex we'll see you again now thank you brother thank you so much for having me on much love Big cheers to everyone for being here. Please check out Alex's work at the Disrupted Workforce podcast. The, the website is thedisruptedworkforce.com. And if this, you know, if this conversation piqued your interest at all, please reach out and let me know. Um, I'm curious about uh, anybody's responses to this. Okay, take care. <laughs>